services as well. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I want to take a little different route uh, tonight. Um, I wanted to kind of, what actually happened uh, when Jesus came? I mean, what, what's the difference? I mean, what actually happened that was that much of a, of, a, of a change in religion? Let's use that word very loosely. In religion, what has changed in religion? Because honestly, I think people are sick and tired of a rules religion. I think they're tired of an experience-less gospel. A God who I'm not really sure if he does care about me. I think he does. I hope he does. The pastor says he does, but I, I don't know. Where faith is hard, condemnation is constant, shame is something that we're always fighting, and scripture doesn't really seem to work for me. That's a lot of people's experience in religion. So what we're saying is the difference that made all the difference and changed everything was simply this. Love came down. Now think about this with me for a second. Jesus, God is love. God and Jesus are one. So Jesus is love. Love came down. Now, I want you to take everything that you've ever learned, all your little Bible stories and all your little nursery things you learned as kids, the flannel graph for some of you, if I'm really dating you, putting you back, you know, for flannel graph, uh, that was me, flannel graph, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a white room with a bunch of kids and looking at a, yeah, whatever. We've come a long way, baby. We've come a long way. But love came. That's the biggest difference that the Father wanted mankind to know. Love came. Father has simply by love motivated, empowered, and made possible everything that we experience today. It's only when we walk empowered by that love that we don't follow rules. Oh, oh my gosh, we don't. know. we follow our heart because the word of God has been written on our heart. So I can actually follow my heart and trust that my heart is going to lead me in there. But Pastor John, the Bible says the heart is deceitful. Well, it does say that. Proverbs talks about that. But the Bible talks about when we become born again, we go from a dead spiritual life to one that's alive. Now, if it's alive, it's alive. Okay? If it's alive then I shouldn't be following rules. I should be following my heart. If it's real, I should be having regular experiences and interactions with him. Wait a minute, Pastor John. I don't know about that. I don't mean that God shows up in your room and Jesus in his white robe says hi. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about irregular interactions and experiences where you literally experience love himself. Everything that comes with that, the condemnation, the shame being cleared out, the complete acceptance and approval of you as a human being because you are now marked by love. We are totally secure in his love and we're convinced more than anybody in this world that he cares about us. Where faith is easy. I gotta be honest with you, faith has always been a challenge 
no matter what we've done, because you know it's the faith principles. I gotta get, I gotta stay and I speak. All the stuff we learned for all the years, and you know the formulas and everything else. It always just seems so hard to me. And then all of a sudden one day, I just started asking God this: not increase my faith, not help me to be stronger and the blah blah blah. I said simply this: Jesus, show me how much you love me. This is my prayer every day, all day for you, for me, for every day. Because when I do that and I begin to understand how amazing his love is for me and in me and that now I am now completely loved, accepted. Oh, Pastor John, you have no idea what I just said to my wife on the way here. I don't care. The sin factor has been dealt with in Jesus. And now you've been forgiven. So now it's this, instead of coming to him when you've blown at this, <laughs> God doesn't want that. I saw something the other day just broke my heart. I saw this little boy who was trying so hard to get to the potty and he just couldn't get there and he was standing in front of it. And he had to go, you know, and so he just kind of went. And he, it was so sad because he was almost there, standing right in front of the potty. Some of you are still standing in front of the potty. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like we should, be, we, we should be moving on to bigger and better things like, you know, Jesus, how much do you love me? Not what does so-and-so think about me? I got to be honest with you. I'm a type of person that, you know, it's unfortunate, but I care about what people think about me. I hate that I, that I feel that way, but I do. I, I care about what people think about me then you start to get a little more secure in who the most important person in the universe cares about you and thinks about you. And then it's kind of like, love y'all, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, but still, I still struggle with, you know, I, I, I mean, I, mean, I can't, I, some of you just have this unbelievable ability to say, I don't care who likes me. <laughs> That's their problem. God, I wish I was you. That's just not me. I just feel it's my job to make sure you know that I'm a great person and you need to love me. <laughs> I, it seems pretty simple to me. Not a big deal, no, no problem, right? But when we get more secure in God's love, we quit doing religion. So many people in our town right now that will go to church, and it may not be the church's fault, but they'll walk out with nothing. Why? Because they're still standing in front of the potty. Literally, figuratively, spiritually. It's because, you know, you've been going to church for years and not having any experience, but you know that's what you're supposed to do, so you keep checking your box every week, checking your box every week. That's not fun. I mean, that's not, I mean, how many of you ever seen The Notebook? Okay, I'm not advocating, okay, if some of you are going, oh my God, there's, there's, not good stuff in that movie. Okay, I get that. But it's like the most incredible romance movie of all time, right? Would you agree, ladies? Yes. Players are, yes! I wish my husband would be like that. <laughs> right? But The Notebook, it's this amazing love story that they passionately want to kill each other sometimes, but they're so in love, and that's what makes their relationship go. And a lot of us are just having this no relationship, no connection with God, 
no connection as I read the scripture, no connection when I go and come from, they're doing it every week and they're being good soldiers, but they're miserable. Do I speak with a forked tongue or am I speaking right? God wants more than that for us. John 3, 16. Every one of us know this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, for God so loved the world. The word love means to love, to be full of goodwill and exhibit the same. How many of you ever met somebody who is not full of goodwill and did not exhibit the same? I was walking at Sam's the other day, and I'm walking out, and I'm, you know, I'm a man on a mission. I've got somewhere to go, so maybe I do have some type A, Liz. I don't know, but anyway, I'm a man on a mission. I'm going, and Liz just wants me to admit that, but I'm not, you know. But anyway, I'm a man on a mission. I'm going, and so this lady is just taking her ever sweet loving time. So I'm like, okay, well, cool. Well, I'll just, and so she's, she's the line, and I was always about this far behind her. But when she'd move, I'd move. She moved out, and then finally she's going, are you kidding me? Can you not walk that close behind me? And so I just went, and walk right around her. Just walk right, I wasn't being rude, I was just, if it bothers you that I'm walking right behind you, I will be glad. Just walk right around you. Why did I tell you that story? I don't know, it just seemed funny at the moment. We are filled with the God kind of love and we in turn operate that goodwill, that love in us. Because we are filled with God's love and know that we are unconditionally loved by our Father and that we are love. We're not God, but we are love. Now we operate out of that love toward everyone, everyone around us or everyone around us. Um, when you understand that you are loved by God and that you are love, each and every one of you are made up of the substance of God's love. Your spirit is filled with God's love. That is who you are. That's who you're made of. And your spouse may go, I don't think so. Not all the time. Well, it, we, we choose whether we operate and flow with that or not. I get, I get fleshy just like the rest of you. You ever get fleshy? Anybody ever get fleshy? Anybody ever bite their spouse's or, or, or good friend's head off because they were grouchy? You're such liars. Every one of you have been grouchy and done that. Come on now. We're all grouchy sometimes. But you know what? When we, when we operate out of the love of God that's in our hearts, we start to love without trying to get anything from anybody. We love unconditionally. We forgive often. We give generously to everybody who asks. And without reservation, we give them our love. Well, I'm not going to give that person love. They were so rude and they were so... Okay, so you're going to try to punish them by not giving them your love. That seems like Jesus. But that's what we do. Because we're afraid if we don't punish them that they won't be punished. Let me tell you something. When somebody blows it and sins and, and, and does something against you, they already have paid a price. Each and every one of you. When I do wrong and I do bad, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad. I mean, the, the, the cost of that. Like, people think that, you know, the, per the Bible talks about the peril of adultery. The peril of adultery is not when the person gets found out. That's not the peril. The peril is everything that happens after that. That's the peril that nobody ever talks about. So somebody that wrongs you is going to receive the result of that, um, whether you punish them or not. 
So don't feel like you need to punish people to make sure that justice is done. Somebody needed to hear that really bad. Ephesians chapter 2, 4, and 7 says, Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all on his own with no help from us. <laughs> Imagine that. He did it all on his help, all on his own with no help from you. But yet we still try to help him. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all this time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. This is the picture that we need to have of God. Okay, now, Pastor John, what does this have to do with Palm Sunday? I'm so glad you asked. I'm trying to get you to understand that there was an old covenant and there's a new covenant. So when we look at this real quick, this portion of scripture where Jesus comes into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, big deal, comes riding into Jerusalem on, on, a, on a donkey that was, that they uh, actually told them, go over here, go find the donkey and bring it, say the Lord has need of it. That's a gift of the Spirit work in case, in case you weren't wonder, in case you were wondering. Jesus knew where it was, tell him the Lord has need of it. They go to it, it's theirs, he says the Lord has need of it and they let him take it. Well, that's supernatural too, right? Then they put their coats on this and they're letting Jesus come in and they are celebrating him as king, but they're sti it's still dead. Why is it still dead? Because they're celebrating him as a removed, separate, I can't get to you God. A king, an untouchable king. That's how they're worshiping him. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Love has come. I want to be up close and personal with you. I want to speak to you. I want to lead you, guide you, and direct you. I want to redeem you. I want to rescue you from your own foolishness. Jesus, please rescue me from my foolishness this week. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so many of us, oh my gosh, if we would just stop doing the things that don't make for our peace by simply keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus. So he had such love and compassion and kindness toward us while all, all the while knowing that he would suffer for us. He never was bitter against us as he was riding in as a king, he's probably thinking, next week you'll crucify me. But he, he took the moment. He allowed them to love him, to worship him in the only way that they knew how, but he had a different way. And that different way was gonna be shown the way everybody thought, had no clue it was gonna happen. Thought Jesus was gonna be come and they're gonna put a scepter on him and a crown on him and he was gonna be the man. We're going to make you king. Now Jesus said, no, no. The way I'm going to be king is I'm going to go and give everything. I'm going to give it up all for you so that you can personally have a connection with God, my father. So understand when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, this was, this was like, people think this was just the greatest thing since sliced bread. This was still old covenant. They're still trying to put him on the throne of their life the way they think he should be on there. How many of you have struggled in different areas because Jesus still hasn't been put on the throne of your life in a proper place in that way? I want you to think about that. That's not to condemn you. That's not to beat you up. That's just to say, take a Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know me. Try me and know my anxieties. 
see if there is any wicked, which actually means just twisted, twisted. You ever try to get your hose? I heard they make these hoses now where you go like this and it just goes up. I, I know it sounds pretty ridiculous because I should have known this, but, but we usually my wife, when she puts a hose back, it gets put in a pile, <laughs> not rolled up so that it can just get pile. Or, or, or my favorite is, is when she takes all the electrical cords and puts them in the cooler box. <laughs> so I pull them all out. Trying to, it's kind of what some of us are doing with our lives. You know, we pull up, pull up that and it's like, oh man, I wish I had the thing that just pushed the button and comes all back. We just need to do a Jesus. My cords are tangled right now. I need some help. I'm trying to do so many examples to get you people to see this. I hope you're appreciating this. So just, just kind of getting there and, and just saying, Jesus, fix, fix all my mess. You just need to fix. Search me. If there's a twisted way in me, will you just please show me so that I could stop cooperating with the plan of the enemy instead of the plan of peace? Would you be on the throne of my life the way you want to be? Maybe I grew up in a, a, a denominational church of some sort, and, you know, you just don't get too excited in church. You just need to settle down. Well, we get excited at the chapel. We, you know, there's, there's people who have been delivered from much, and they just have to love much. I are one of them. I'm not embarrassed at all to lift my hands, to shout, to run around the room, or dance a jig if Jesus tells me to. I mean, I just... I, 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 and, and that may not be you. Again, personalities, right? I mean, if you're call, all, all in reserved and everything, I mean, you just do you, man. You do you. Remember, you don't have to be me. You do you. And so Luke 19, let's just look at this real quick as Jesus came in on, on, to Jerusalem. And as he approached, he saw the city. Oops, did I miss? Yes, I missed one, sorry. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. People were welcoming him as a king. It was really cool, but it wasn't, it wasn't a personal savior. It was a king. This is what I'm trying to get you guys to understand too with the government of the church, the, the way that we do things. I don't want to be king because I'm not king. Jesus is king. So I don't want to be put up on a pedestal that, you know, I just want to get close to the pastor. That's stupid. It really is. It's, it's, it's silly. And that's what, that's what a lot of people have done for you. I just got to be close to the pastor. And I love to be close to you. I'll talk to you whenever I can, whenever, whatever's going on. And, and, there's, and there's times when I'm a little bit distracted and tired from running after two and five-year-olds all week um, that my little grandkids, uh, well, they're my, they're my grandkids. They may not be my grandkids, but they're my grandkids. And uh, running after them, and I may be tired and I may miss you or whatever, but listen, you don't come to church to see me. You come to meet with Jesus and be with your church family. So I don't want to be on the pedestal. I, yeah, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to shout the way. I'm going to say, hey, this is the way Jesus wants us to go. And let's run and let's do it together. But let's do it together. I don't want to be. I guarantee you, my wife doesn't want to be on the pedestal. Especially her. 
you know. I told her today, I said, man, I've been going so much this week. This people person really needs a people break. She goes, you ain't getting it today. <laughs> She's right. I'm here with my people, and I'm loving being here with my people. But, you know, let's not do that. Let's just, let's, let's, let's have that personal relationship with our church family. I don't want to be in that place, and I hope you can respect that and, and love that too. Uh, Luke 19, and let's just, uh, uh, this second to last scripture. And as Jesus approached, this was the sad part that Jesus had. He saw the city and he wept audibly over it, exclaiming, would that you had personally, known personally, even at this last, even at the least in this year day, the things that make for peace, for freedom from all the distresses that are experienced as the result of sin, and upon which your peace, your security, safety, prosperity, and happiness depends but now they are hidden from your eyes. Let's go, uh, uh, I'm going to skip, I'm editing real quick. I'm going to skip over to verse, the last part of verse uh, 44. Um, uh, it basically, and they will dash you to the ground, you Jerusalem, and your children within you. They will le not leave one stone upon another. All because you did not progressively to recognize and know and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation, that is when God was visiting you, the time in which God showed himself gracious toward you and offered you salvation through Christ. So what we've got to understand here, Jesus was weeping over the fact that they just, it's like the Lion King, another example. He's the king, but he's been convinced that no, you're not. What else can the devil do if you become a child of God than convince you that you're not? That's the only thing he's got in his weapon, in his weapon disposal, is to convince you that you're not. Convince you that you're not free. Convince you that you're not redeemed. Convince you that you're not healed. Convince you that you can't get past this problem. Convince you, convince you, convince. That's what he's constantly trying to do. That's why I keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus. And as I keep my eyes on him and I keep on feeding on his love, I start to believe I am who he says I am. I can do what he said I can do. So now Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want to be in a far king. I want to be an up close and personal savior. I want to have real conversations with you. I want you to, to tell me when you're angry, even if it's at me. How many of you all just been mad at God for years and you're just afraid to admit it because you think that, oh, you know, God really doesn't know? Uh, yeah, he does. He's waiting for you to admit it. Take a look at yourself and say, wow, I guess I'm mad at God. Talk to him. Jesus, I feel afraid right now. I know your word says that by his stripes I'm healed, but man, I got a really bad report. And I, Jesus, I'm afraid. Would you show me your love so that I can just get shored up that I'm going to be all right? Not a much better prayer than, well, praise the Lord, everybody. I'm just great. Jesus is wonderful. <laughs> fake, 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 fake. You fake! When you come to church and you don't have any courage and, you, and someone asks you how you're doing, say, you know, it's kind of been a rough week. Instead of, oh, praise the Lord, I'm so good. <laughs> I'm just so good. You just totally stop God from using that person to bring courage and strength into you. We got to stop pretending and we've got to stop wearing masks. 
because Jesus wants to be up close and personal Savior, not an afar king that we all just need to hope that he doesn't snap our little heads off. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's do what Jesus wants us to do. And let's come kind of up, oh, up close and personal with him. All right? Can we do that? All right, awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much today for these amazing people who are here. And Lord, I'm just praying if someone's here today and they've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their lives, that they would take this opportunity to pray this prayer with us right now as a a church family and mean it with all of your heart. If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, this is your opportunity. We're going to pray a prayer. If you will just mean this from your heart and pray this with us, God hears that prayer. And you will be wonderfully saved, changed. Just pray this prayer with us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love and care for me. I thank you that you solved the sin problem with our Lord Jesus. I receive him. I accept him. I thank you I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that with us for the very first time, we want to absolutely know who you are. There's going to be folks up here uh, to pray at the end of service. Come up and let them know, hey man, I prayed that prayer for the first time. And they'll just kind of encourage you and and, uh, and, and point you in the right direction for sure. I also want to take a moment before we go tonight. If you are here for the very first time with us, can I see who you are just real quick? Real quick. One, two. Oh, awesome. All over the place. Fantastic. Hey, we're going to get a card into your hands right now. If you would just fill out the card, we're not going to put you on a mailing list, I promise you. Uh, but we just want you to fill that out so we have a little uh, information from you. And then take it to our information table out in the foyer. And uh, in the foyer, we're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you some stuff in there, um, uh, just some literature so you know a little bit more about us and just some gifts. Uh, some, Well, not an Apple Watch, sorry. I'd love to say we give Apple Watches away for our first-time guests. Uh, some grace bands, by the way, if you want grace bands, we've got a bunch of new of them. Take, take them if you want. Be blessed with those pop sockets. No, we, I left those at home. Uh, you can be blessed with those as well. Um, we're just thankful that you guys are here and that you came to be with us tonight. Uh, did, Jen, did you get? Did you guys get a card? Okay, good. We're good to go. All right, awesome. I love you guys. I'm so excited. Let's uh, let's have an amazing Easter week. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Have a great week. Be blessed. We'll see you. Bye bye.